This next question seems to get people fired up every year. How early is too early for Christmas? How early is too early? People either love it or hate it if the celebrating starts before Thanksgiving. Welcome to Book Talk Etc., a podcast bound to grow your TBR. I'm Tina. And I'm Renee. And this is a conversational podcast about books and more from two Midwest mood readers who are easily distracted by new releases. And today, we are kicking off Nonfiction November and sharing some of our latest nonfiction reads. If you enjoy listening, we'd love for you to follow us on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And if you have a minute, please consider leaving us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or sharing us on social media. All of this truly helps other book lovers find us. Hey, everyone. Before we get into the show, we wanted to share a couple of announcements. First off, we now have merch, and we are so excited. We've been working on this behind the scenes for a little while, and we're delighted to roll this out for you just in time for holiday shopping, potentially. It is through a website called Spreadshirt, and now through November 14th, you'll actually get 15% off your order. We've got a ton of product options, some with our traditional brand logo, and one with our favorite saying, everything's better with books. There's shirts, there's sweaters, mugs, stickers, pins, and more. And we will link to the store in our show notes. So if you want to take a look, that would be great. And we can't wait to see you wearing our stuff. We think it turned out pretty nice. So I'm excited about that. And secondly, we of course wanted to take the time to invite you to join our Patreon For $5 a month, you get access to all of our bonus content. And truly, supporting us on Patreon is a great way to show us that you want us to keep doing what we do. Plus, you get access to all of our bonus content, which at this point is over 105 posts, including our newsletter, audiobook guide, bonus episodes, and more. And you'll also get to join in on our hashtag ReadWithBTE community reads, which is a book that Renee and I vet in advance and then have a discussion. And you will also get invites to our live events. For the rest of this year, we've got one more book club meeting where we're discussing Black Cake by Charmaine Wilkerson and, of course, our end-of-year mood reader happy hour. I know that's a lot, but if you are interested, head to patreon.com slash booktalk, etc., or click the link in our show notes. Thank you so much for your support. Hey, Renee. Hey, Tina. Good job on all of that. I'm going to not chime in too much because I am fighting a cold. And so if I do sound differently, that is why. Of course, Mm -hmm. this is the second time this year I've been dealing with cough, sore throat, and and I need to talk. So (laughs) So do you you think it's the one nine or is it actually just a cold? No, I've I've taken two tests. Okay, good, negative. good. Yeah, I remember last year. We last time like, it was COVID. I said it wasn't COVID. <laughs> You're like, it's it was fine, COVID. and it actually was. That I was, know. I think in January it, or December. Yeah, it was. <sighs> it well, New Year's Eve. Oh my goodness! I mean, yeah. I won't forget that because it was New Year's Eve. You're like, yeah, um, this is a blast. <laughs> it was super fun. It actually feels the exact same, which is weird. That is weird. But I've taken two tests at, over the last you know three days, and so far. It's all, well, it's negative. We'll keep our fingers crossed. Yes. But anyway, yes, I sound different. I know that. I've got my hot tea and honey. Mm-hmm. I've got my water. Drop. <laughs> <laughs> but I am excited that um, we do, we will get a chance to, you know, I'm going to order a mug. It's going to be weird to drink coffee out of a mug with our own logo. On oh, it. I'm going to wear it. Literally every day. I'm going to be all around town wearing my shirt. (laughs) I'm going to order one of everything. Like, it's going to be obnoxious. I'm just so excited. We already have these little bookmarks that we, you know, Mm -hmm. occasionally will hand out. And so every time I see a little free library, I like tuck the bookmark in and I drop the books off. So people in my community are going to be like, what is this logo? So, you know, (laughs) it's, it's exciting though. And hopefully you all love it as well. We try to make it, you know, this is our first round of merch, but what's cool is we can, we plan to come up with new designs periodically. So this is just the first round more to come. And of course, when you take a look, if you have some feedback for us, if there's anything you'd like to see, let us know. 
But for now, I'm going to tell you about my loving lately. The theme of our episode is nonfiction November. And I have to say my loving lately fits in perfectly because my loving lately is the good nurse on Netflix. This actually was unintentional. I just happened to turn on Netflix last night as I was working on the script and I'm like, oh my goodness, I loved this book and I've been waiting for this adaptation, but I forgot it was coming out. So this is a movie adaptation of a true crime book called The Good Nurse, A True Story of Medicine, Madness, and Murder by Charles Graber. And I brought this last year, actually, as one book that I recommend. It's true crime, and the book focuses a lot more on this serial killer named Charles Cullen. However, the movie really places the focus on the hospital nurse who helped break this case. So she was an overnight nurse and had health issues of her own, and she and Charles Cullen worked together. And they, you know, they worked the graveyard shift and got pretty close to one another, but then all of a sudden weird things around the hospital start to happen after he's been hired. And she starts to suspect that he might be doing nefarious things in the hospital. I don't want to give too much away, especially if you don't know anything about this. I knew everything because I had read the book, but I thought it was very well done. It's creepy and unsettling, but I love that the focus was placed more on the nurse versus sensationalizing the serial killer himself. The acting is great. You've got Jessica Chastain, who plays the good nurse, the actual good nurse. Mm -hmm. And an actor named Eddie Redmayne plays Charles Cullen, the true life serial killer. Uh, They were fantastic. I don't know why I'm surprised. I've never watched anything with Eddie Redmayne before, but I'm like, wow, you are skilled. And I just liked this a lot. I liked that the story got told. I didn't feel manipulated as a viewer. And I thought it had a subtle undertone and great commentary on healthcare because Charles was able to, and again, I'm trying not to spoil it, but he was able to get away with it for quite some time. And it explains a little bit about how he was able to do so because the hospitals basically were choosing to protect themselves versus potentially prosecuting him. I thought this was an awesome way to spend a couple of hours. And if you're a sensitive viewer, I don't think this was terribly dramatic. So I will say that in terms of like being scary or being shocking, I just thought it was a fascinating story. Again, I do highly recommend the book, but I will say the book is much darker than the movie. But overall, this is what I was loving lately. It's The Good Nurse on Netflix. All right, good. I love that we're bringing some TV shows to the pod. I have a product. I'll be curious to, to know if you've ever heard of it. It's called Frywall. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, I didn't think so. I didn't either, but I have kind of a, a sub loving lately, which um, I got this from Good Morning America's Steals and Deals. That I, is your favorite. I'm, tell, I'm telling you, the things I find on there, it is, there's, I love it so much because also they really, really, highlight small businesses, mm-hmm. new small businesses, which I'm assuming that this is what this product is. So Frywall was, the creator was on Shark Tank. So this is a Shark Tank success story, I would imagine. And what it is, it's a splatter guard. So it's rubber. It's a funnel-shaped splatter guard. Okay. If you can picture that. And it's rubber, silicone. And you put it right, it, it fits right around the inside of your pan. And then picture like the sides go up. Okay. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm with you. I mean, yeah, you can pull it up, take a look at it, fry wall. So the splatter doesn't go everywhere and the steam can still come out and you can still cook. You just do everything you need to do and the fry wall stays right inside the pan. This is genius because I have the splatter guard that goes over the top of the pan. Because I like to pan sear. Yeah, yeah. Lots of stuff. Fish. I do a ton of pan searing with fish. But even, do you have this problem? I do have this problem. The oil goes everywhere. Oh, 100%. And then the worst part is you got to clean the stove every time. Yeah, every time. And then, yes. So I saw this and I was like, I question whether that actually works. But they don't put stuff on steals and deals deals and steals <laughs> without it working I'm they don't sure they don't let lead they you astray don't. they no. these are tried and true recommendations that, from GMA. Hey, 
<laughs> it's for sure. That is where I found my Chom Chom pet roller Look, that I cannot live without. I got a new couch and I was so mad because I couldn't find my Chom Chom because we moved, but I finally located it and it's like perfect for this faux suede couch. That is the greatest That's the best. product find mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. So I am very confident. Now, I put my fry wall in. I tried it out. You You know, like... So anyway, stay tuned. I think it's going to be great. I got the large size for 12-inch skillet mm-hmm. because that's mainly what I use. And But it comes in large, medium, and small. Now, also, when you order off of GMA Steals and Deals, I got my I got mine for 50% off oh, heck that yeah. day. So I would imagine they might have some more sales coming up. But yeah, if you can get great deals on that. So that was Frywall. That is such a good recommendation. And these are the ones that I low-key really love when we Uh break because it's like you would not expect to like be thinking, oh, I need this. But now here I am. I'm like, oh, I I mean, the the amount of cooking we do, we're on that stove every single day. And I'm like, huh, this would have, this would be great to cut down on the amount of time you have to clean your stovetop. Right. Because all you do is, um, it's dishwasher safe, but I mean, I probably won't even put it in the dishwasher. You can just quick wash it. Yeah. Just rinse it off. Yeah. How genius is that? Like, that's a genius idea because I... I love those types of products. But yeah, she like, this is how the mop was created because this woman was sick of mopping the floor and like the spit, she created this like spin mop or whatever because she was sick of like getting her hands dirty, like squeezing the mop. All right. Well, there we go. TV show and product. I know. This is another one. I'm like, God, do I have to... Another purchase. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let me tell you about my latest read. And I went full in on nonfiction November today because I'm bringing a nonfiction latest read. And this book is called The Emergency, A Year of Healing and Heartbreak in a Chicago ER by Dr. Thomas Fisher. And the reason I picked this up, kind of, you can probably guess, the Chicago ER is really what got me. I really like Mm -hmm. medical memoir, medical nonfiction books. And this is a book about an ER doctor who was working through the COVID-19 pandemic in the south side of Chicago. I will say, definitely, if you're not ready to read about COVID and specifically in the hospitals, like this is probably something you'll want to table. But overall, I thought he did a really, really good job with this in terms of explaining what it was like to be on those front lines during the initial like beginnings of it. And then he goes back and explains too his time before and what that looks like. And if you like books that have commentary too on healthcare and just, he's got a ton of experience. He's been in this ER for over 20 years and, you know, basically has been in these low-income areas, which is where he grew up as well. So he talks a lot about how our country's healthcare system can also reflect some of the worst of society. So some of the more poor, they're seen as expendable patients are put aside in order to provide more top-notch care to a few people. What I loved about this was that he writes with such compassion for his patients and his community. And you can really tell that he is somebody you would want as your own doctor. He has a lot of empathy. And I think it's a really great book for anyone who's considering a career in medicine. I think this would be really um, important for somebody who's maybe a med student or considering med school to read. He talks about some of the specifics about patients he's treated and also about health inequality and the systems and the structures that are in place to, again, provide less service to those that don't have the means Me personally, it definitely does touch on COVID. I didn't find it to be overbearing. Like, that's not the central thesis of it. It more so is his story over his 20 years experience. And of course, you know, COVID does come into play with that. I really liked the audio. This actually would be a great coupling to a book I've talked about previously called An American Summer, Love and Death in Chicago. It's all set in that same area. That book was by Alex Kotlowitz, and I think those would go well together. So if you like medical books, if you like books that are set in Chicago and maybe you want to understand your community a little bit better, I would say that I recommend this book. This was The Emergency, A Year of Healing and Heartbreak in a Chicago ER by Thomas Fisher. That sounds interesting. I think ER doctors probably see way more than we could ever imagine. Oh, I'm 
absolutely positive. And they're the ones that have to know a little bit about everything. And he talks about that too. And then it's this powerful moment. He has his mom actually come and like have her own health issues and like what it's like to be, okay, I'm the provider and yet I can't help my loved one. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. That sounds really interesting. Okay. I debated about bringing all three nonfiction, Mm -hmm. but then I thought, no, I have to I have to come full circle and I have to talk about this book. It is Demon Copperhead by Barbara Kingsolver. Did you already talk about this? It was my current read last week. Got you. I just, uh, yes. we've talked, but we <laughs> yes. haven't talked. Okay, go for it. <laughs> yes, it was my current read last week. I was going to wait a little bit. And then I thought, no, I had a lot of people say, I can't wait to hear what you said about it. And so I think I was about, 25% when I, I brought it as my current read. So I'll be really quick about what it's about. It's set in the mountains of Southern Appalachia. And it's really about a boy and his name is Damon, but he becomes, you know, he's ends up being called Demon. And there's a story to that, of course. And he's born to a teenaged single mother. They live in a single wide trailer. They don't have a lot of assets. His dad is dead. He never ever got to know his dad. He died before he was born, but he has the same good looks and copper colored hair. If you could picture, I could picture Demon so well. He's very witty and he has a talent for surviving. Now, this is definitely a coming of age story. This is Demon telling his story from a place in the future, which is my favorite Mm -hmm. type a first-person narration. I love it because he can tell us his story as if it's happening, but also have awareness to be able to say here and there, I wish I, I wish I would have known that at this time. You know what I mean? Oh, I love that. Yeah. You have the perspective. You have the knowledge. Yeah, you it's know. such a blend, and, mm-hmm. and it was really, really well done. The things that he has to endure— And what he will face involves foster care, child labor, bad schools to, I don't know, to come up with another term, athletic success, addiction, disastrous loves, and crushing losses. This is a saga from start to finish. And it takes place over many years. And when I first heard about this book, I thought, I thought, you know, I don't know if I want to read an entire book from the perspective of a kid. And then I started seeing five-star review, five-star review, five-star review. And then Oprah picked it as her book club book. And then I was like, okay, there has to be something to this story. I mean, based on what I told you, it, it doesn't sound like it would be propulsive. I mean, okay, it's a coming of age story. And why is that important? You have to read this book and this story. And you have to allow demon to just invade your consciousness to understand why this book is so, so good. Her writing is phenomenal. I mean, this is my first book by Barbara Kingsolver. I was kicking myself the entire time for not having read her sooner. I I don't think I can explain how much I love this book. I got the audio. That was the only form I had to read it. But Charlie Thurston narrates. And he is absolutely demon copperhead. Come to life. If I can talk you into listening to no other audiobooks this year, let me talk you into listening to this one. This could be in the running for my top audiobook of the year. Mm. Because I think you and I are going to do like a our top audiobooks of the year. This might be number one. I, I, oh, I just loved it. So really, it is long. It's about 560 pages. I flew through it though. If you like sagas, epic sagas, and you want to be transported, because I was definitely transported to the mountains of Southern Appalachia. I was definitely so invested in demon and so invested in his story. This is masterful storytelling. <clears throat> it's filled with 
a roller coaster of emotions. It really, truly is. Sometimes I was laughing. Sometimes I was so mad with the supposed adults in the story. And sometimes I was so frustrated with Damon, Demon and his choices. I mean, and then I was, and then at one point I was just sad. It's been described as a very like sad book, and it is at times. It goes to some very dark, sad places. It really, really does. But it's also a story of resilience and hope. And that's where I'm going to leave it. It's Demon Copperhead by Barbara Kingsolver. Yes, you definitely have got me curious. I put it in my stack of books that I want to finish before the end of 2022 because I thought you loved this book pretty much from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I need Mm -hmm. to know what it's about. And plus Oprah, I mean, rarely steers us wrong. So I know I'm going to be trying that one soon. This was another example of something I did not plan on reading that will definitely end up in my top 10. Mm -hmm. The best. All right. Let's talk about nonfiction books. And in preparation of this episode, I thought, hey, you know, we did something similar last year. Let's take a walk down memory lane and see what (laughs) Renee and I talked about last year. And there was a point at which I said, I promise in the next six months, I am going to read The Sun Does Shine by Anthony Hinton. If I say it, that means I have to do it. Mm. And listeners, I indeed have not read it in the last year. So I failed my personal challenge. (laughs) And therefore, Renee said she would read A Knock at Midnight by Brittany Mm -hmm. K. Barnett. And And I did not. So we both failed. You should probably know by now we are not great with we're good at setting challenges and setting intentions. Now, following through is mm-hmm. <laughs> the sticky part. So that is still on my ever-growing TBR. However, when I was listening to last year's episode, I also uncovered something interesting. Last year, I had read 20 nonfiction books out of the however many books I had read for a percentage of 16%. This year, I've read 19 nonfiction books out of 117 So I'm at about the same percentage. Mm -hmm. I thought too, I really did think, again, it's about 16%. I really did think that I was doing, I don't know if it's better or worse to read more, but I felt like I was reading a fair amount of nonfiction this year. Turns out this is just my norm. Where did you land? Well, that's funny because I'm in the exact same place as well. I have one extra this year. Last year, I had... At the time of the recording, read 93 books, 13 were nonfiction. So that was 14%. Right now, I've read 111 books and 14 of those have been nonfiction. So it's 13%. So it is really the same. We are just, this is like our normal cadence. So unless we make Mm -hmm. it a point to read more nonfiction, it's just not something that naturally comes into our purview. All right. So- just to do something different this year, we'll give some, I know last year we gave some fun facts about the nonfiction statistics for 2021. So for this year, as of the recording, which is the end of October, 2022, the good news is the nonfiction book market has increased. So the global book market, now, it grew from $13.27 billion in 2021 to $13.93 billion in 2022. And they are predicting, those in, I guess, the publishing industry, it is expected to grow to $14.89 billion by 2026. That's a lot of nonfiction books. To put it into a, a bit more perspective, there is about roughly 100,000 nonfiction titles published each year. And that's kind of a, that's pretty small percentage based on the fact that there's an average of about 2.2 million books total published each year. So not a whole, whole lot is nonfiction, but there's a whole lot of categories of nonfiction. So we're talking a lot. Memoir, autobiographies, biographies, cooking, health, fitness. There's a lot that makes up this particular genre. And do you want to take a guess as to the most popular nonfiction genre? Religion. That is, I did see that in several places, 
But in the one that came up the most, it was memoir. Mm. So I'm not sure which is actually accurate because I did see religion and spirituality as number one in many places Mm -hmm. and then a couple others memoir. Now, at the very bottom of this very long list, do you want to know what do you you know what is? No. I was surprised. True Um, crime. True crime. True crime. Yeah. You know, I actually have a hard time reading true crime books, too. I I just get bored. I don't know why. It's bizarre because I like true crime podcasts. Mm -hmm. I like true crime documentaries. But a full book, rarely do I read a full book about a specific case, except I'll Be Gone in the Dark by Michelle McNamara, of course. (laughs) But yeah, Yeah. rarely do I read a full book. I wonder if that's if other people are the same. I, I think I am the same, too. I don't pick up true crime too often, even though I like to read about mm-hmm. and like a news true crime on the internet or something. It's not my first choice. I'd rather read a memoir or yeah, same. You know, something that I'm going to learn a little bit more from. Okay, so before we get into something just fun that we were going to do, I'll give you the top three current New York Times bestsellers in the nonfiction category. And they are, number one, I actually haven't heard of this, Confidence Man by Maggie Haberman. Have you heard of that? Mm-mm, no, I don't think so. I haven't either. Two, I'm Glad My Mom Died by Jeanette McCurdy. Mm-hmm. And number three, Live Wire by Kelly Ripa. So that was surprising. Kelly Ripa's. Okay. Yeah, I know. I was, I was surprised by that too. Okay, so we were going to do something fun. And I had asked you to, like, to come up with, if we were dreaming... We are in charge of putting out whatever type of memoir or nonfiction book we can dream up. So in an ideal dream world, who would we like to see write a memoir? What or what type of nonfiction book do we hope to see written someday? I will start. And I had fun with this. Um, Okay. (laughs) My first dream book would be a Hollywood tell-all written by... George Stephanopoulos or Anderson Cooper, because Mm. I think they're both trustworthy enough to get this type of nonfiction book done. And what they're going to do is interview anyone they can find. I want to know from the servers at the fabulous, fancy Hollywood restaurant. Mm. I want to know the the what's what from from the servers, from the people working in the hotels. Who's coming in? Like, I want all the behind the scenes, all the juicy gossip um, from people that you know know things, mm-hmm. but just don't have the chance to ever share it. And it could be anonymous so, too, right? Like, oh, it would. Ha- they would probably have to be anonymous. Mm-hmm. Yes, but I think it could be titled Hollywood: The Good, the Bad, and the Truly Shocking. I would read it. Wow. Well, why don't you get a start on it? This sounds like a great thesis. Probably not a ton of access in Columbus, Ohio, but I love the the premise. That is really good. (laughs) And and it's funny, too, because I was trying, we were playing with this, and I was trying to predict what you would want to read. And I had a feeling Juicy was a part of it, but I didn't (laughs) quite get the specifics. I, on the other hand, People tell me I'm creative. I don't think I'm very creative. Like, I need a guideline. I must have mulled this over a thousand (laughs) in the last 24 hours. I was like, what would I want to read? I could not come up with a single example of a nonfiction book that I would want to read other than memoir. I was trying to say, like, what would I want to know more about? I got nothing. I'm very much a receptive reader. You tell me what you want to tell me, and I might read it, you know, if it sounds interesting. Like, I'm not good at, like, imagining, like, what? Because you're like, dream big. And I'm like, I I literally can't. (laughs) I have no idea. So the two that I came up with, the two things I came up with, I do, I would really like to read Britney Spears' memoir, but Mm -hmm. only if it was written by a ghostwriter. Like I'm going to need someone to like take all that Southern energy, wonderful kind of passion that she has and just give us the what's what and and what's going on. And I definitely mm-hmm. don't think I want this anytime soon. I think we need to be a bit further away from the hashtag free Britney movement to get it. But I mm-hmm. thought I will definitely be in line to read that one. The other one I came up with is Marilyn Monroe. Obviously, right, we're not going to get this. But the reason I picked it, it's because I really 
enjoyed might be the wrong word, but I very much valued the reading experience of reading Blonde by Joyce Carol Oates. And it got me thinking, gosh, I wish she was around to tell us the true story, what really happened. Mm. Kind of to close the loop, I initially picked that book up and read it because I was really excited for the adaptation. And boy, was that a mess. The actors did really well, but it was shocking. And I thought, this is a real woman. Wow. It was, if you've watched it, come talk to me about it because I need someone to talk about it with. But I wish we could grant her the space and, you know, I wish she could tell her own story. Okay. Well, I have, okay, so I have a couple others. One, these would both be memoirs that I would love to read. Mm -hmm. One, Katie Holmes. Oh, great one. Oh my goodness. Great, great, great one. Do we not all want to know what the heck happened (laughs) in her with her marriage, right? Yeah, it was that's so a good one. All of a sudden, one day, I mean, she managed to pull off a divorce that I think <clears throat> there's so much more. And what led to it? Because they were so in love. And I mean, he's a wacky, he's a wacky dude. I don't well, know, but I would love I to know. know the specifics. Yeah. I mean, gosh, would love that. I don't know that it w- would ever happen, but. And and I think she would have a lot to tell. I mean, she's had a, a very interesting mm-hmm. life. She's not that old. So we may need to, yes, wait for that for a while. My other memoir wish would be that Oprah, Gail King, and Maria Shriver would get together. Gail King and Maria Shriver are Oprah's best friends. And they've been best friends for over 40 years. I would like them all to get together and give us a memoir about friendship, careers, Love, loss, and aging. And each and each of the women can write their own section. See, you are so good at this. You're the creative one. I just, I don't know. I put it together. That is, sounds wonderful. Again, I'm like, I support you in this endeavor or in this wish to put it out in the universe. Because I feel like we could all benefit from that book. We would. We totally would. I know. All right. Well, I'm going to share one of my nonfiction books. And you've actually already mentioned it in the episode. Because my first book that I read for this show was I'm Glad My Mom Died by Jeanette McCurdy. You likely have heard about this book if you are at all interested in books and reading because this book was everywhere or still is everywhere. I mean, I'm talking it was selling out. You could not get your hands on a print copy. And this is a heartbreaking memoir by Nickelodeon star Jeanette McCurdy. And she shares her struggles as a former child actor and really gets into it, talks about eating disorders, addiction, and most of all, the complicated relationship with her overbearing mother, and then ends it with how she regained control of her life. And basically, it's about this young girl. She came from a, a big family. She had a couple brothers, and they. her mom's dream had always been to be an actress, but she never got to actualize it. So when Jeanette came along, she's younger, uh, the youngest in the family. Her mom pushed her into these auditions. She was only six when she had her first acting audition. And Jeanette would do anything to make her mother happy. So she went along with it and continued throughout her life to go along with things that her mom requested of her. I use the term requested very loosely because she was incredibly manipulative to the point where she would cry, you don't love me anymore. If you loved me, you would do this and that. She also eventually developed an eating disorder alongside her mom because she started to grow up and go through puberty and her mom was like, "Oh, well, we can there's something we can do to stop this." And so at a very very young age she started going through calorie restriction. I think what's in the beauty of this book is how raw the story is, yet she tells it with perspective. And I loved that Jeanette was able to share where she is today. She's young. She's super young, but she she has an old soul. And, and I think a lot of child actors end up having this type of personality where they're able to, you know, even though they've, you know, they're not that old, they have a lot of perspective. And I did not know who she was. I'd never heard of her because I'm too old for iCarly and the other shows. So I had no clue. But what I do like is 
I, I really was curious about a child actor and what that's mm-hmm. like and what she did to gain this fame. And I was also, I have to be honest, I was really drawn in by the cover and by the title. I think this was a really, really well done memoir. I can see why people are really gravitating toward it. I listened to the audio and that was part of the reason why I went through this book super quickly was because the audio was so well done. I love Jeanette's voice. She's very dry. And yet there's a tiny bit of humor. You can tell that she's got a funny personality as she's like telling this horrible story. She's really telling her story with a little bit of wit and candor. And you could tell that in the way she's explaining things. I actually slowed it down. I slowed it down, I think, no more than 1.25 because any faster than that, I'm like, I feel like I'm missing out on her voice and how she sounds. It's just... I really, really liked how she narrated it. I've I've been seeing people compare this to Educated by Tara Westover. I don't see that as much. I see much more of the book Wild Game by Adrian Bruder. Did you read that one? Mm-mm. Okay. Yeah. If you've read that one, that one is also about this very manipulative mother who has this very strange, almost friendship relationship with her daughter, really overshares that. I saw as a much more apt comparison. If you're interested in a book that talks about what it was like for a person to be a child star and then the fallout from all of that, what happens when you get typecast? And then, gosh, some of the things she shares about the industry were very juicy, very, very interesting. And I loved, too, that, yes, this is absolutely a story of abuse, but she really highlights and tells her story. But it's a reminder that abuse doesn't always happen so obviously. And I really appreciated that about this book. I really enjoyed it. I think it is worth the hype. It's got a 4.64 rating on Goodreads with 155,000 ratings. And like it only came out just a couple months ago. So I think this is a, it's very much worth your time. And it went by pretty quickly on audio. I'm very glad I read it. I wish nothing but the best for this actress, writer. I also heard that she's, I I just saw that she got a fiction book deal. Mm-hmm. That's a strength too. The writing in this memoir is fantastic. So I was very much impressed with her writing as well. So give it a shot if you're curious. This book was I'm Glad My Mom Died by Jeanette McCurdy. <clears throat> I think I do want to try that and I'll be sure to do that on audio. Yeah, I think I'm you would like it. Sh- I think she fought for that title, and I'm glad mm-hmm. she kind of like stood her ground about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. My first book is Between Two Kingdoms, A Memoir of a Life Interrupted by Suleika Jawad. Have you heard of this? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. This was recommended to me way back in January by Katie from Basic Bees Guide. So I am so glad I finally got to it. This is her memoir of illness and recovery. That starts when Suleika is graduating from college and she ends up moving to Paris very shortly after. At the time, also develops a rash, like a crazy rash that literally had her itching herself to death, but kind of let it go and, you know started a life. And this is her story of, obviously, it's not a spoiler to say, at one point she is diagnosed with cancer with a leukemia. So the story that we get, it's it's so hard to describe this type of book because she's telling her story and it's so interesting not only to see her living in Paris, her starting her life, but then what happens as time goes on and she makes her has to make her way back to New York City and gets diagnosed with leukemia. And le- leukemia she was diagnosed with had a 35% survival rate. So how, what happened? And how did it happen? And that's what makes up this story. Also, I didn't know anything about her or her story. And I'm glad I, I really didn't because we get a very raw, in-depth look at her treatment, at her life, how it affects those around her, her relationships, her day-to-day living, and then what happens after. 
And don't Google, just read, just read the book first. She ends up during her treatment, um, because she's a very good writer. Her dream was to be a war journalist, a war cor- correspondent. So she, she, and you can tell her writing is extraordinary. And during her four years of fighting cancer and battling cancer and treatment, she ends up chronicling her journey for the New York Times. And from there also sets out to write even more. And she's done quite a bit of writing. I was surprised at one point in the book what she decides to do. And I don't want to give that away. And again, don't Google, but she makes a really daring decision. And I couldn't imagine doing it. But this actually takes her to places that she never expected and connecting with people that she never expected to connect with. And it really, truly changed her. And somewhere along the way, someone asked her, would you take it all back if you could? And her answer is very is very interesting and very unexpected. There's nothing about this book I did not like. And this is really hard. It's hard to critique a memoir. I don't know mm-hmm. if you feel like that. I was just going to say, I'm having a hard time describing my books just because it's a very personal nonfiction, at least right. so far the ones that we've chosen. Right. It is really personal. And if I was going to give a critique, it's not of, obviously, it's not of the story. And she can tell her story however she chooses. There were times that people were introduced and she will mention how they had been a part of her life for, you know, since she was 13. Or, and I was like, I don't know, who, but you never mentioned them. I don't know who they, they were. They so from, yeah. yeah, it was like people just materialized on the page and, you know, so be it. But that's really, you know, I wish I would have, I wish we would have had a little bit more of how certain people you know, entered her life or how important they really were. This is about love. This is a a lot about love and loss and finding yourself and resilience. And what do you do when you are between two kingdoms? And really interestingly, she makes a point of saying, we will all experience life between two kingdoms at some point in our journey. And you have to read it to find out what that actually means. So that was Between Two Kingdoms, a memoir of life interrupted by Suleika Jawad. I'm glad you said that because I'm like, am I dumb? Did I did you already tell me what that's about, the kingdoms? And I <laughs> just <laughs> missed it. Or oh man, wow, that does sound powerful. It's I've heard about it before. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's for me. I don't know if I can handle it. It's very scary to me to talk about that sort of, you know, diagnosis. Right. And yeah. I think it is for me, it's a, maybe a different point in my life. But for now, I'm like, that stuff makes me scared. Oh, I think it would be it would be scary. But I also think, and for me, that memoirs can be so challenging. I, I tend to pick memoirs like that or not always, but they are, I, I want to know what people who have went through that have yeah, learned yeah. and what was their experience like. And I hope I don't ever have to go through it, but I do like now I have a greater appreciation yeah, for, sure. for her and her story. And I didn't even really know anything about her. Now I'm following her on Instagram. Good. And yeah. it's Isn't I mean, it funny how you really come to connect I, with these people like Jeanette McCurdy. I yes. couldn't tell you, I would have never known who she was. Not in a bad way. It just wasn't my generation. But now I'm like, oh, her mm-hmm. next book's coming out. I wonder what it'll be about. Like, it's just interesting how you end up feeling closer to these people because of having read exactly. their story. Exactly. Exactly. You do. I mean, if it's if it's if a it's, good memoir, if it's good, you yeah. do feel like you know mm-hmm. them, right? Mm-hmm. Well, book two for me is not my favorite. It's got good parts and parts that I was like, eh. It's called Listening in the Dark, Women Reclaiming the Power of Intuition. And the editor is Amber Tamblin, who is a actress. You might know her name. This one just came out very recently, I think last month, and actually October 18th, so 10 days ago. (laughs) Um, (laughs) This came on my radar because I got a physical copy, and I actually love intuition as a scientific construct. And the way that I look at intuition is very different than I think some people do. 
I think of it as intuition is born of your experience. Like it's, there's like actual physical construct of what intuition is and how it develops. I don't think you're born necessarily with this intuition. However, what's cool about this book is that there are some that I think would agree that it's a science. It's based on experience. It's based on this and that. But then there's a lot that's unexplainable. And they got me. They they got me to come around a little bit more to the universe and like that gut feeling and learning how to trust your gut. So overall, I did like a lot of this book. And let me tell you actually what it's about. <laughs> it's an essay collection. So it's an essay anthology. And the whole thesis is really to look at intuition and take a look at how we can harness the power of our intuition and apply it to our everyday lives. The authors that are included in this collection are pretty impressive. You've got Gia Tolentino, Samantha Irby, Congresswoman Ayanna Presley, Amy Poehler, America Ferreira. So there's a ton of women that I've heard of, some that I had not yet heard of. And they all are sharing these little essays about how intuition has helped shape their life, their career, or their life choices. And they do a good job in providing a wide variety of essays in this one, which is why I think you will likely enjoy something from this essay collection. When I began it, I was in it. I was vibing with this book. I'm like, heck yeah, this is what I wanted to read. It was feminist, and there were just so many interesting elements the essays I really gravitated toward were the ones that were more personal, really talking about, I was in this situation and gosh, I should have listened to my intuition. Here's what I've learned from then. Here's what it felt like when I didn't listen to my intuition. Some of those essays were it for me. Where it lost me was they started talking about dreams and I learned about myself. I don't care for dreams. I find it very challenging to read about someone's dreams. And this is tracks too with my fiction preferences because you know me, I don't like a double life. I don't like a what might have been. I like things that are rooted in this actually happened. So the dreams essays kind of challenged me a little bit. But I came around toward the end because Amber Tamblyn had an in-conversation with America Ferreira. The two of them acted together when they were young actresses and now are still friends. And that was an awesome conversation. So there were parts that I really, really enjoyed. I love the wide variety of women that they brought into this collection because there's authors, scientists, psychologists, doctors, politicians, a really cool group of people. And I thought it was worthwhile to read about how intuition played a role in some of their pivotal moments. I did the audio of this and I did a little bit in print. And I have no preference either way. Each person who tells their essay reads it. I think almost all of them are read by the author. And that's hit or miss for me. Some of them did a great job. Some I was like, eh, I could have probably done with a professional audiobook narrator. Overall, I think this was interesting. If you like essay collections, if you want a feminist essay collection, and if you like intuition, I think this could work. It's not terribly long, about 288 pages. And I enjoyed most of it. It was called Listening in the Dark, <laughs> Women Reclaiming the Power of Intuition, edited by Amber Tamblin. Okay. That's funny that um, dreams are not Dreams are thing. not my thing. Do you like dreams? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I pretty much like any aspect of, you know, universe stuff, dream. I Yes, I do like hearing about dream analysis. Okay. Yeah. Or, yeah, I yeah. Mean, and that, yeah. I wouldn't mind there are that. Pe- yeah. There's essays in here for you. I just don't, I don't. I don't know why. I don't know why. I just like don't, maybe because I'm not a vivid dreamer. I'm not a real, maybe I don't have the creative creative mind that you need in order to appreciate that. Because I'm just like, no. Um. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a naysayer. I'm a cynical on that, in that regard. Oh, man. I love being able to remember my dreams and then trying to figure out certain aspects. So I don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, that kind of, the dream stuff has me thinking about my next book because there's an aspect of that in this one. And I actually shopped my own shelf for this pick. It is Feeding the Soul because it's my business. That's in parentheses. Finding Our Way to Joy, Love, and Freedom by Tabitha Brown. Mm-hmm. Do you know her? Have yes. you heard of her? Mm-hmm. Okay. I actually started following her on Instagram a long time ago and then found out that she was writing a book. And then I got a copy of the book in the mail as an advanced copy. And of course, just now read it. But I ended up grabbing the audio on Libby. 
and she narrates. And if you know her at all, she's just great. She's a great follow on Instagram. She started by doing videos, YouTube videos, like that really kind of propelled her popularity. She's an actress, a vegan superstar, and calls herself America's mom. And she is very charismatic. So my point is, audio is the way to go if you can get a copy of it because she's she's just so unique. This is her story and her journey from growing up and having dreams of pursuing acting. And I do love a story about how someone in their young years figures out what their passion is and does not stop until they reach it. And she wanted to act. And I was really interested in how she made that happen. Now, I did not remember at all that she was on Will and Grace, and I've seen every single episode of Will and Grace. Yeah, I don't remember her from that show either, and I love Will and Grace. She played, I bet if I bet you will remember this. I did after I saw it, I guess, but she was a police woman mm. on Will mm. and Grace. But anyway, then she had an undiagnosed chronic autoimmune pain during her, her life, and so that led her to becoming vegan. And that led her to developing a passion for vegan cooking. And that led her to doing videos and inspiring people in such a way that you really truly have to watch her and see her and hear her to understand that she sounds like a friend, like a cheerleader, telling you her life, telling you the lessons she's learned. I was really on board with the entire story and her, I guess you would call it catchphrases. Mm -hmm. And that's what I really, really, I really like that aspect because she has a way of, of saying things. And when I initially saw the title feeding the soul, because it's my business, I, I thought, oh, this is going to be a mainly a cookbook because her business is (laughs) like, (laughs) Like she's making here. (laughs) Turns out that is not what, because it's my business means, and now I'm going to drive people nuts because I'm going to start like, I, I want to start saying because it's my business. Um, <laughs> it means that you are owning whatever it is you want to do. You own it and you do it. And don't worry about what anyone else thinks because it's your business. <laughs> so that doesn't that make mm-hmm. total sense. But I love hearing her talk about this. Now, there was something in her story that surprised me so much. And I'm not going to tell you what it is. It's crazy. It does have to do with another talent, hidden talent that I didn't even know from following her on Instagram that she actually has. Some people may say it's a little bit out there. I loved it. I loved hearing about it. I would read anything else that she puts out there. I do want to say she is very faith-based. And a lot of what she attributes her strength and stuff is to God. But she makes a point of saying, if that's not comfortable for you, fill in Mm -hmm. with whatever it is you would like. So I really like that. All in all, I say this, this might not be a book for everyone because I do think you need to be in a, in a mood to want to hear someone like cheering you on. If you want, if you need a book as a pick me up, Mm -hmm. if you need a spark of just happiness and like, oh, I want to feel like, I I just want to listen to a little bit and read a little bit and just feel good and have someone positive, you know, giving you their thoughts. Give this a try. If you're not in a space that, you know, you don't want to hear so much of, of, that because she is a very positive person and it can be a bit much. It wasn't for me, but just note to self, that was Feeding the Soul because it's my business, Finding Our Way to Joy, Love, and Freedom by Tabitha Mm -hmm. Brown. Was that the one you just finished? No. Okay. Between Two Kingdoms. Oh, Between Two Kingdoms. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. Hey, it's time for Shelf Edition. Let me tell you about this book. Now, forgive me. It doesn't come out for six months, but <laughs> I oh. heard about it this week. I'm like, oh, 
I want to read this. It. I heard about it. I went to Riverhead, had a webinar this week of books that are coming out next year that they're excited about. And so I was like, let me let me register for this. And it was cool because I got to hear about some of their upcoming titles that I think will be a hit. This book is Ascension by Nicholas Binge. And what caught my ear <laughs> or what caught my eye about this one? It's a speculative It's a speculative thriller in which the sudden appearance of a mountain in the middle of the Pacific Ocean leads a group of scientists to a series of jaw-dropping revelations that challenge the notion of what it means to be human. I am a reader (laughs) that likes books that make you want to think about the meaning of life, and it just sounds so good to me. So you've got this enormous snow-covered mountain that appears in the Pacific Ocean, No one knows exactly where it came from, how big it's there, and they can't explain its existence. And then a scientist named Harold is contacted by a shadowy organization to help investigate and figure out what's going on. He has no idea what he's getting into, but he's very, very curious, and he and his team set out for the mountain. The higher Harold's team ascends, the less things make sense. Time moves differently, turning minutes into hours and hours into days. And amid the whipping cold of higher elevation, the climbers' limbs numb and memories of their lives before the mountain begin to fade. And they're starting to get paranoid. Things get a little bit violent. It sounds like they're panicking. Sounds like there could be some other supernatural things going on. And as the dangers increase, the mystery of the mountain compels them to its peak where they're certain they're going to find their answers. And they are wondering, have we stumbled upon the greatest scientific discovery known to man, or are we stumbling upon our own demise? I'm into it. I'm really curious. And he lives, he's actually from Scotland, but this is his first book here in the U.S. Doesn't come out until April 25th, 2023. I might sneak peek it early because it sounds like a really good winter book. At any rate, this was Ascension by Nicholas Binge. Okay, good. All right. Okay. My book you may have heard about by now, but it I mean, the title and cover just got released as of this week, as of our recording. It is Spare by Prince Harry, coming January 10th, and there are zero details about this book. This is his memoir, and I am definitely going to read it as a companion to The Palace Papers by Tina Brown, which I just recently read, I am very curious to see how his own story compares to things I read in her book. Now, there's not even a synopsis, a blurb, nothing about this book. The details are zero, other than to say this is his story. The title came from the fact that he was known growing up, but like the press called him the spare, the spare heir. So I think that that's interesting that that he chose that as the title. And he was reportedly paid 20 million for his story. He's donated about 2 million to two different British charities from his advance. So that's all, that, that's it. We know nothing. I think people are either going to, you know, read it or or absolutely refuse to read it, but it's definitely going to lead to a lot of interesting conversations, I think. So who knows? Because with no details, no one knows what to expect. I guess the monarchy is nervous is what the the news media is saying because they don't even know what to expect. So anyway, that was Spare by Prince Harry. Yeah, I can see why they would be nervous because who knows what he's going to talk about. I And I don't like, I wonder if they have NDAs. Like, are you, or is it just more of like a shame thing? Like, is he going, is he allowed to talk about his life? Like, I'm curious to see what he's going to be yeah. willing to talk about. I'd also be very curious to know about the timing of this. Was he planning on putting this out while the queen was still alive or was it? something that he felt now he could talk about because his beloved grandmother is dead. I don't know. know. From what I found, I did a tiny bit of digging. January 10th is the exact day. Is it three three years to the exact day that they, he and Megan Mm. left? Interesting. Yeah. 
So to me, that sounds like that was purpose. So that publishing date could have been purposeful. Somebody else on one of the news shows mentioned that they were surprised that it wasn't published like now for the holiday season shopping because that would be huge. But they thought that maybe, and I don't know if this was just speculation or if, if this was actual fact, that because of the reconnection a bit that he had with her at her funeral with his brother mm-hmm. and all of that, that there could have been some, a bit of like not rewriting, but a bit of addition to the book Yeah, that, that then pushed the pub date. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll I find out in January. Very exciting. And I heard that I he's narrating the audiobook. I heard that too. Which, so that's a definite, yeah. that's a definite. We're going to have to do, I'm going to, I'm going to get both. I am going to read it. And I, I, you know, I want to hear what he has to say. I think it'll be either way. I think it'll be interesting. I, about what you were saying though, I don't think they have NDAs. Mm-hmm. I think it's just kind of acknowledged Agreed. that yeah. you don't, you don't talk about what goes on. You know, you don't, wh- what happens in the family stays in the family mm-hmm. sort of way of life. Well, we'll find out. That's it for today. We thank you for spending a part of your day with us. Links to all the books mentioned can be found in the show notes. And if you enjoyed today's episode, you can help us by following us wherever you listen and by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get our show out to new listeners and grows our audience. And don't forget, if you would like access to our exclusive bonus content, you can always join us on patreon.com slash booktalk, etc. for $5 a month. Feedback and questions about the show can be sent to booktalketc at gmail.com. You can also connect with us both at booktalketc on Instagram, Tina at TBR, etc., and me, Renee, at It's Book Talk. Talk to you next week. In the meantime, remember, everything's better with books. And go get your mugs. <laughs> we should just stop recording. This okay, is going to be a I'm hot mess. To... All right, I'll find one. Well, all right, John. Make us sound coherent. Thanks. Ugh.